Dude, do you love that song? Do you love that record? Yeah, no, I do. It, it's it, hard because so much new common I really don't enjoy that it's hard to remember how good he was. Man, he when he was just a hungry ass raw MC from the south side of Chicago. I'm not even talking about the uh, what was that? Can I spare a dollar? Can I borrow a dollar? That first first record. Yeah, but once he hit Resurrection. Dude, he said it best in the one day lost song on Stakes is High. Yeah. At one point in rhyme, I thought I lost my direction, but now I got it back with the resurrection. Remember that? Dude, one of the greatest lines. That day lost Stakes is High is one of the greatest records of all time, also, in my opinion. So I like everything Day Law has done too. Uh in fact, Including Three V High and Rising? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Didn't they just put out a new thing? The soundtrack to Summer. Yeah. With Chuck D. Yeah. Which I haven't listened to because I, like, I haven't I like seen it. the movie. But I mean, it's called "We the People" or something like that. Yeah, I like. I, I heard the song. It's on Spotify. This is all recording. This is all recording, right? Yeah, we've recorded all this. Okay, good. I guess we should do an intro. Sure, let's do an intro. <laughs> Can you hear Georgie licking himself? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Ready? You can have a fall or winter of your own Stay warm inside your Victorian home But when the city's so high, the winos burst into flames And when the Jesus freaks collapse with the weight of their claims Miriam, Diana I don't want to see you old and alone It's no fun, Diana I don't want to see you old and alone with the aging spinsters You should find someone Oh, sorry, I fucked it up, but that's enough I think that's enough (laughs) We'll get to the end Uh all right. Uh, hey, uh, I'm Liam O'Donnell. I'm Josh Alvarez. And you are listening to episode 27. 27. Of Cinepunks. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm looking at the levels, and when you did that, it went so Super red. loud, because I, I, you know, I'm like, son. I, I, make, I make... I feel like you could leave your microphone on the table. Yeah, could I do that? Yeah, because you're. I lean back. The reason I'm further away is so that I'm not talking as close to your microphone. How's this? Is this good? I think it's good. Yeah, say say more things. I'm gonna say a lot more things. Yeah, I mean, it All looks right. like you're recording pretty well to me. Then I'm with that. I'm gonna close this door. I'm and I'm gonna keep mine significantly away from me too, so I'm not all up in the mic. Okay. Right, George. <laughs> well, episode twenty-seven. Um, we have been doing so much stuff lately. It's been busy. It's been amazing. How do you feel? Uh, I feel good. I'm. I. I, I think uh, I'm a little tired, uh, which is unrelated to us because everything that we've done right now is just in the planning phase. You know, yeah. like because we have this event coming up, we have some cool interviews coming up, uh, and I've been talking to some people about uh, our website and you know trying to rebrand the website a little bit and just a bunch of stuff like that and. Uh, but that's all preliminary stuff. But I have that going on while I've been interviewing for jobs. I finally got a job, so that's going to be cool. Uh, we've had a few shows coming up. And just this weekend, like, 
I'm in Philly right now with you recording. Mm-hmm. I'm going to two different events today. You're going to the what? What's the first one? Well, well, not event. I said event, but I'm going to see that Kamiko Treasure Hunter movie today. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. heard really good things. Heard awesome things. That's yeah. the girl from Pacific Rim. True, true. Uh, and I also I don't know if you saw the trailer. I just think it looks cool. It looks visually, it looks amazing. And then tonight I'm going to the International House is doing their Wayfair series with. Uh, Oh, what's that gentleman's name? I don't know. The guy, you know who I'm talking Anthony Smirsky. Mm. Uh, he runs Mega Words. Right, right, right. Wasn't right, he right. in a band? I don't know. I think he was in a band. <laughs> he's an old... He sounds like a cinepunk that should be on our show. Uh, I don't know if he cares about movies. I think he's uh, more like a, uh, uh, uh urban design, graffiti, photography, outdoor spaces... Right. Have you ever have you ever checked out Mega Words? It's an interesting no, magazine. I have no idea what it is. Oh, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. So, anyways, he's doing this series. Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure he put it together. Watch, I'm wrong about this whole thing. But the guest is Zoe Strauss, who I love, and so I'm excited for that. Um, and that's at the International House tonight. Also. That's at the International House. Then I was gonna actually crash in Philly. I was gonna have Suze leave me here, and I was gonna crash. Right. Uh, so I could be in town all day tomorrow, and then tomorrow night. I'm going to uh, see No Warning. Now, what's funny is where the show is in North Jersey. It's at that Game Changer World yeah, for Nate Fest. It should be closer to me in Easton than yeah. here in Philly, and it's not. So my plan, I think I'm just going to go home and come back tomorrow on the train or something. But the idea is I'll be in Philly. I'll catch a ride from Philly. I'll come back to Philly because in the morning I start, I have my first thing for my new job in West Philly. So nice. uh, it's just like a thing That's on thing on Wednesday thing. morning? Or wait, uh, what day is today? What? I'm so confused. Saturday. Dude. Today is yeah. Thursday. Saturday, for sure. Yeah. No, I've been doing a three-day juice cleanse, so you'll have to forgive. No, tell, tell everybody a little bit about your juice cleanse experience. Okay, so this is all part of me and Melani preparing for the Broad Street Run. Sure. Wherein we've been running and doing yoga. And part sure. of the yoga thing is that they offered a three-day juice cleanse that we thought maybe might be a good idea. Yeah. The, the the thing that I went under the assumption of was that, like, okay, everything that yoga tells me to do, I'm about to do. Because it's making my core stronger. Yeah. My boy's a little bit more flexible. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's helping me with the running because I can, uh, you know, I have more stamina. I can run longer or whatever. So, uh... Helps with breathing. Helps with the breathing. You know, your heart rate stays a little bit lower while you're running now, so... It's cool. It's it's. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do broad street running in less than five hours, but sure. it's ten miles. You understand? But um, so that's in like three three and a half weeks, something like that. Yeah, sure, it's pretty nightmarish at this particular moment. But um, the juice cleanse was. I don't know. They said it seemed like a good idea. We were like, okay, let's do it, and then we did it. So they give you these big bottles to drink. You got to drink five of them in a day, and each bottle is the equivalent of like twenty pounds of vegetables that have been juiced. So, yeah, yeah, I did that, and uh, up until today, I hadn't eaten solid food since Monday, and as we said, it's it's Thursday today, so Monday at 5 o'clock at night is the last time I chewed on food. Sure. And then at noon today, Melani was like, I don't know if I can make it, I'm going to eat real food for lunch, and I was like, alright, and then me and Eva went to the Ruby Buffet and ate a bunch of shitty Chinese food just now, <laughs> and I feel kind of amazing, but I also kind of feel like, man, that was brilliant. Like, it was an accomplishment. And, uh, you know, it's just a shitty Chinese buffet. I mean, you know, whatever, but... I mean, maybe they would have preferred you break the juice cleanse with, like, a kale salad or yeah, some or shit like that. or something, but yeah, guess yeah. what, man? Yo, I... They had the... The last drink of the five every day was this beet drink. It looked like blood and tasted like dirt. Just saying. 
And and the, the combination of the two, not so fun. And I've been doing this at work. Yesterday at work, Miss Chris brought in two flavored cakes, two different kinds of cakes for everybody, just for no reason. And I was drinking juice all day yesterday. I didn't do any cake. No cake. Not one cake for me. Just saying. It's a hard... I mean, that's asking a lot. It is. It is. But I did it. But then I broke... I folded like a bad hand at a poker tournament. Like, it was... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That happened. So... Yeah, I've uh, I went to the diabetes doctor the other day. I have type one. For those people who don't know, I have type one diabetes, and I went to the doctor, and he's actually was pretty unconcerned with my health overall. Uh, and I'm switching to a new pump, and it was mostly positive. The negative part for me is realizing that lately I've been trying to exercise, and I instead of losing weight, gained weight because of muscle. No. I think I've just been using working out as an excuse to eat worse. <laughs> so I just eat. And I think that also happens because so you uh, – and granted, I'm not an expert when it comes to diabetic athletics. But my understanding is, uh, looking at myself, that I think what happens is I work out, my sugar goes down, and then I eat to get my sugar up – and what I eat is not good things, per right, se. Right, right. I just eat out of a little bit of a sense of panic, or I feel like, oh, I'll just work it off later. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't really know what's going on. All I know is that I have not lost weight, and I feel like the primary reason is, like, diet. And if I look back, like, I've also, for whatever reason, me and Suze have been kind of busy lately, so I feel like we haven't been cooking as much. Yeah. And when we have been eating, like, there's been a few weeks where I've been driving back and forth from Philly. A lot, yeah. A lot lately. Like, I'd say twice as much over the last month than I have normally. Yeah. That means fast food. Not on purpose, but like, I would say, oh, just this once. I I would think just this once. Well, only, I think it's been just this once a few times. So now I feel... Can I just make a commentary right now that Josh's dog, George, is licking me like my pants are made of, of like beef jerky. And it just makes me think I have not washed these pants enough, apparently. Yeah. See, Melania is convinced that George loves me more because uh, he likes like licking my face sometimes more than he likes licking hers. My contention is that she's just better at showering than I am and therefore doesn't have as much like food residue. I'm sure there is food, <laughs> food residue on these pants. I'm one of those people uh, who owns lots of pairs of pants but ends up only wearing like two, two pairs, over and yeah. over again. Uh, again, the weight thing. I feel uncomfortable, so I find a pair of pants that feels comfortable in this weight, and, then and I wear not, them until I blow out the crotch. And then I'll wear the other pants until I buy pants that feel good again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, sorry, we're, we're kind of all over the place today, but I feel good about that. Uh, let's do... Let's, let's, let's talk about whacking on track. Yeah, we'll do whacking on track. I will begin. Last night, I saw Furious 7. Yeah. The seventh installment of the Fast and Furious uh, um, franchise. Sure. And uh, I was just telling Liam, if you told me that Alejandro Jodorowsky directed Furious 7, I would believe it. I just and think you're why. making that up. That shit, you have to be high to think about what the fuck they put in that goddamn movie. And, <laughs> and here's the thing about it. Like, we were talking, I was talking about it also with Evo earlier today, and I was saying that there's something about the Fast and Furious movies that is not so with the Expendables movies. Like, the Expendables movies, tongue is firmly placed in cheek. They know fully well, well, it's going to be funny, it's crowd-pleasery in a funny way, it's more of a comedy than an action movie. Sure. 
Fast and Furious takes itself way seriously. Like, super duper serious. And I back that, because it ends up being this beautiful, horrific, one-liner, like, shitfest that, for some reason, I find highly entertaining. I, I, I think at this point, you don't need to defend. In my experience, I mean, okay, I'm sure if you surveyed average America... Most people like the Furious movies, the Fast and uh-huh. Furious movies. And if you survey movie geekdom beyond, like, cinephiles. Like, as we all... I, and maybe some people listening to this don't realize. There are people who are obsessed with movies who are just obsessed with Hollywood. Uh-huh. There are people who are obsessed with movies who are, like, geeky. And they like genre films and things like that. Is that us? That's us. I right? think that's more yeah. us. A little bit. And then, well, I think what... I think one of the uh, pluses of this show is the melding of... High and low art. That I think okay. we also are a little bit of cinephiles, or or whatever term you want to use, where we also appreciate art. Mm-hmm. Like, so for example, some of the critiques of it follows uh-huh. have not taken into account in any way the skill of the movie. Right. So to put it out there, uh, me and Josh both like it follows. Josh, I think you didn't I like it as much it. as me. I didn't love it, but I liked it. And I think I would also put that in my on track pile. Sure. And I think we'll keep going with this. Just as an aside, I wanted to point out like, it's interesting to me. It would never occur to me to comment on It Follows and not point out how brilliantly shot it is. The framing at times is perfect, like, beyond, like, just amazing. Like, the way that it's shot, the skill with the camera, the thought that clearly went into wardrobe and setting. And Mm, there's just so much technically now that doesn't mean it's a a movie that works for you. If someone was like, it was shot brilliantly, but I just don't think it works for me, that's fine. But I've definitely watched people who were like, oh, it's just so stupid. Like, it's like they didn't even think about it. I'm like, if anything, they overthought it. I, yeah. fe- I felt like. but Well, I mean, it's very Kubrick mm-hmm. in, in a lot of the shots. And that, to me, was the most prevalent thing visually of that movie. That, sure, that sure. You could tell where they grabbed all their inspirations from. Almost off the back. Very Tarkovsky at points and very Kubrick at points. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But um, that you're going to use that in, in a movie like It Follows. It's about this weird, base, horrific thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing. It's kind yeah. of perfect melding of the high and the low. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe... So, so, so I think with The Furious 7, there might be some people who are super elitist who are like... Whatever. <laughs> now, I say this not to insult those people. I, I will... Yet again, you a are one of those people. I yeah. hate the Fast and Furious movies <laughs> as much as I hate the Expendables movies. Um, you hated all the Expendables movies. Every single Expendables every single movie. One. Well, no, that's not true. I didn't see the third one. Oh, okay. I, I saw the, the first movie. two and yeah. was like, I, I mean, I'm I don't done. think I need to see the third one. Yeah, I saw one. I think I saw two. I don't even know. It might be the same movie. But that's the thing. I mean, like that's the perfect movie. Again, it's been a rough week at work for everybody. Sure, sure. And we've been busy. We've had so much crap going on. To watch a movie with my wife that is so just kind of off-the-wall action, there's a scene where The Rock flexes and breaks his cast that his broken arm is in. It's in the trailer, so I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything. But let me tell you something. When that scene happens, I got stoked. I was like, fuck yeah. Dude, The Rock is about to whoop some ass. Were you semi-erect? I was like, oh yeah, we were there. We were there. It's okay. cool. We were at okay. the game. We were at the game. But uh, <laughs> dude, that movie. Let me tell you, there's there's car parachuting also in the trailer. Kind of amazing. There's um, Vin Diesel saying all types of crazy shit. And Paul Walker. There's a Paul Walker tribute at the end. You know what I of mean? Of course. Yeah. And um, 
I hear I hear people got emotional. There were oh, tears, emotional. tears at the Paul Walker. I don't know if tears, but you know, just watching Ludacris be all sad. It's, it's a thing, you know. But um, there was definitely a moment where at the end, like the final shot of the of, like before the credits and all, it just says for Paul. And I yelled out in my comedic brilliance at the movie theater. Not yelled, but I I commented. I said, "Who's Paul?" And no one thought that was funny. <laughs> I thought was hilarious. No one likes Jokers during the movie. Yeah, I know, but it's the end. We're leaving. Everyone's getting up to leave. Like that's the time. You know what I mean? It wasn't during the movie. Although, again, there, dude, Jason Statham's in the movie, and he's doing all types of British ass kickery. Of, of course. Ah, oh, it's genius, genius movie. I, I just don't care. But, I, but, <laughs> but my point is that I don't think you need to apologize for it. I think. Yeah, no. I think it's like. I think again, and I'm probably alone on this. If you came in and you were like, "Every Expendables film is brilliant," which, to be fair, we have friends who think that Donnie and Evan and those yeah, dudes they they love those they movies. Love those yeah. movies. Uh, I think that's an opinion you might need to apologize for. But uh, <laughs> but loving Fast and the Furious, do it, man. Like that's people love it. Like yeah, I said, yeah. here's the thing: I might like. To be fair, I'm making a judgment of ignorance. I've only seen. I think the first four. Oh man, dude! You, yeah, you got to get the last three are where it makes the turn from like just kind of like quasi thuggish car business to like James Bond levels, like even sure. espionage. I'm sure it's just if you don't. Kurt Russell's in this movie. If you don't like the first four, it's hard to then get back on board <laughs> for, for the five, next six, three. Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. To right, be fair, fair, other people have done it, and I think. Uh, someone could you could make an argument, and I will take those those critiques that I'm fucking up by not doing that. In the sense of like, they are straight up phenomena. They are a movie phenomena, and I'm yeah. not engaging $40 million dollars. Yeah, I'm not engaging season, yeah. film culture because like here's the thing: people have said like, why aren't why isn't Furious Seven nominated for an Oscar? In the Is sense, it? It, no, but like so, it's a, wait a minute, wait. a bunch of a bunch of online critics have said, look. The Furious 7 movie is as critically praised as any movie nominated for an Oscar, will make four times as much money as any movie nominated for an Oscar, and at a certain level is amazing, so why not at least get nominated? And part of me, even as someone who hates those movies and doesn't want to see that movie, kind of goes, what, some level you have a point? I mean, there are plenty of movies that have won Oscars that I've been like, that's literally like human feces, like on screen, you know? And yet... Uh, if enough people like it and it has an impact on the culture, why not at least give it a nod for something? You know what I mean? It just doesn't what, make. What, do you have an example of a movie that I hate that got an Oscar or whatever? Didn't Crash get an Oscar? I don't know. I'm pretty sure Crash won an Oscar, and that's to me one of the worst movies that's ever been. Made. I am Sam. Did I am Sam win something? I th- I think that that one where uh, where um, Mrs. Mr. Madonna, what's his name, Sean Penn, he he, he plays the MR guy. Yeah, I think that might be true. Ugh, horrific. Yeah, I'm worst not movie of... I've ever seen in my entire life. I hated that movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a. Uh, I don't know. I I I, I, I could just go off about a few movies right now, but um, I want to get back to your. Oh, so okay. so fast and Fast and Furious Seven. It follows. I saw recently, and I loved. I didn't love love it like you love love it, but I liked it a lot. Uh, Melani didn't enjoy it. Yeah, she didn't like it. And uh, I think my theory is that it's because um, you have to be raised in a... I I thought it was a very Catholic movie. I thought it was a very Christian movie in that it has this, like, horrific consequence of doing something like having sex or specifically having sex. 
and uh, there's there's so much ambiguity to it. And uh, you disagree with this theory, right? That it's like yeah, I don't, I don't see kind of, any, I don't see yeah, any connection whatsoever. I, well, I in my, here's what I thought. I thought like they say, okay, when you have sex, this thing is going to follow you, right? And it's going to kill you. And they don't say how or why. It's just a thing that's going to kill you. And um, it's just they don't know how to get rid of it. They don't know like right, oh, you got to bone someone else to get rid of it, but it can still always come back for you. It's very like Christian parable to me because, you know, it's like, hey, don't have sex before you're married. And the question of why comes up and there's kind of no real like concrete answer unless like you talk scripture, I guess. But, it's- but I think the problems with that are A, there's no indication that anyone in the movie is a virgin before all these people have already had sex. Well, it's not even about that. It's about sex with this one particular person who you don't even know if there's anything about that person that distinguishes that person from the next. But wouldn't that be like, more indicative of an STD in that sense? Like, I think in that sense, that's how why a lot of people are arguing that the movie's about, even though the director has explicitly said the movie's not about STDs, <laughs> I do think you can make an argument that a movie or any piece of art can have meaning outside of what was intended. Right. So, right, right, right. Uh, and honestly, I... I I don't see what you're saying, which doesn't make it not real. I just don't know that that is an effect on how people see the movie. So, in other words, right. I think you saying like, "Oh, this reminds me of this," is totally valid. Yeah, I just don't know that that's you need just what it to resonates for with me because I think a lot of people yeah. who saw the movie and liked it did, weren't thinking that. In fact, when I, I saw it with Lore, who loved it, uh-huh. uh, shout out to Justin Lore, good friend, What's up? Uh, good dude, uh, and he felt like the movie in a lot of ways was a condemnation of sexism that like the the thing that follows you is like your bad reputation so it's like a condemnation of judgment of people who have sex and i would have found that less real if it wasn't for the fact that the movie brings that out in the audience so the audience we were watching it with you said you had to make well first of all they were talking the whole movie Uh. i'm glad the first time i saw the movie was at fantastic fest where everybody was very respectful and uh. the feeling of dread could really build because there wasn't bullshit going on this time it was hard to get into the movie because there was all this bullshit people talking making comments and uh you know a lot of people have said like well the movie doesn't have a sexual ethic but i think in humanizing that experience and trying to say like this is not her fault this isn't a judgment thing she didn't do yeah. anything wrong but the audience thinks she did like, it brought out the sexism in the audience. Like, wow. oh, this, what you gonna do? Go do this slut gonna do? Fuck somebody else? Oh, like, totally, Ooh. like, and, I'm, and and it's so... I think this is an indictment of Easton PA. Well, and it's so projected. Like, that was what me and Justin realized, I think, talking about it afterwards, was that the movie brought that out in people because that's what's in them. Because that's how people uh, think, even though the movie is, to me, value-free. It doesn't judge her, just something that happened to her. Uh-huh. And it's not, again, it's not the horror movie construction of she's a virgin, she makes a mistake or whatever, has sex, and then therefore something bad happens. It's like, she's just a normal per- normal college student who has sex. Yeah. And then through this intimate act is put into judgment. It's put into this thing, you know. For me, like I said, I've said this a lot now, so I don't need to say too much about it, but... It just feels like a nightmare to me. That it's not, <laughs> it's just supposed to have its own nightmare logic. Yeah. And that. And you're supposed to just follow that. Well, and I think the consistent theme is when they're in danger, they regress. Yeah. So, you know, they're in danger, so they go to that dude's cabin he went to as a kid. Or they're yeah. in danger, they go they to go the, the pool, pool where they all had these things. It's like, it's like the, the danger is like death or adulthood or responsibility or whatever it is, and they're running. But I, I, I mean, we don't have to analyze the files <laughs> too much, but I do think, uh, 
for the most part, like I said, I respect people who didn't love the movie. And I've yeah. had some good conversations with people who didn't like it, but they like talking about it. But every once in a while, I read something someone said, and it's like they weren't thinking. Like, they'll be like, it was really stupid when this happened. And I'm like, there's a really good explanation for that. Why didn't you think of that yourself? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, or people, one of the critiques of the movie is it's not clear what time period it's set in. Yeah. That was a really brilliant thing the director it's kind did. Kind of genius to do yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, like how are you going to show a movie about teenagers with an ambiguous timeline? Like that's crazy pants. It's so good. I don't but know. That's such a genius idea. What else? Have you seen anything else recently you wanted to comment I on that was amazing? A bunch of the moron movies in preparation for. Oh Len yeah, Seller's, yeah. Uh, moron movie show for the Philadelphia Film Fest. Yeah, big up to Philadelphia Film Fest. Philadelphia Film Fest has been crowding our world. I don't know if if you guys know. It's coming up April twelfth to the twenty fifth. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a bunch of fun. There's so much stuff going on. Wait, you said April 12th. That's not true because the opening night film was tonight. Oh, well, tonight till April 25th. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a lot of shit going on with with the Philadelphia Film Festival that's amazing. And it all looks like really, really fun. But one of the things that I was tasked to do is uh, I have to interview Mr. Len Sella for the website before his showcase next weekend of the Moron movies. And do you know what the Moron movies are? So I know a little bit about this, but I feel like you at this point probably know far more than I do. So All I know is this. Yeah. I went to Perry Shaw's house because our friend Perry Shaw sure. is a huge Len Sella fan. Yeah. He directed a video for that band, The Tweens, and it was just basically him shooting more on movies, but of his own uh, imagination, I guess. Sure, sure. And with The Tweens people in the movie, right? And then they're just doing like dumb more on movie stuff. More movies are like these clip movies. They're like 18 seconds, 18 to 30 seconds at the longest, you know? And um, they're stupid, but they're goddamn brilliant. He made 158 of them by the 80s or something like that, which wow. he compiled on a video cassette, on a VHS, which Perry had. I went to Perry's house to watch it, and it was brilliant. We also watched King Dong, which is a YouTube documentary about Lancella. No. So Lancella is from Broomall, Pennsylvania. He is a, a house painter by trade. That's what he does. But then his hobby is making these movies. Yeah. And they are brilliant. They're just, I mean, they're so stupid that they're genius. Like, and, and like it, they all start the same. It's like a, a title shot and it has the title of the movie, something like Caveman discovers how ugly he is. And then the video is just him looking at a mirror as a caveman and being like, man, just as ugly as all my friends. We're not going anywhere if we stay this ugly, like that kind of shit. And then that's it. That's a clip of the. That's it's the just one little concept. Yeah, really small concept. There's another one that's uh, Jello makes a bad door stop, and it's just him with a pile of Jello next to a door, and he's trying to stop the door from closing against the the wall. You know, this is Jello. This is genius. Fucking brilliant. And um, apparently, he works on these movies every single day of his life, and he's 78 now. But he's wow. also kind of like he doesn't leave Broomall, PA. He doesn't come to the city a lot. Like, he doesn't show... He rented out the top store of the Lansdowne Theater in the 80s, the top floor. Wow. And he made a theater in there to screen his moron movies. And it started getting sold out every night, like, that he was doing it just on the weekends. And it was, like, a 100-people theater. And to be fair, it wasn't a theater that existed. He put a screen in the top office above the Lansdale Theater, Lansdowne Theater. And then brought him chairs, and people watched it this way. And it was amazing that Johnny Carson found out about it and put him on the show. And they paid him something ridiculous, like like thousands of dollars per minute of airtime of the Moran movies. Which actually isn't a lot, because the movies are like less than 20 seconds long, some of them. You know? Yeah, 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 so, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and he's like a recluse. He doesn't talk to people. Like He's, he's kind of like on his own, you know? And he's still funny, though. He's still sure. goddamn weird. But um, yeah, so so we're they're doing 
Eric is presenting a uh, Moron Movies retrospective kind of thing. And they're showing a bunch of them, including... Uh, we, we went to Preview Night. I went to Preview Night with Sonny a couple of yeah. weeks like, last yeah. week or whatever. And they showed a brand new one called uh, Mouse Celebrates His First Direction. Hilarious! <laughs> it was really, really funny. So, uh, yeah. So I, I watched the Moron Movies and I watched uh, the documentary on Lancella. And that was pretty on track also. That was awesome. And, of course, big up to my man, Perry Shal. And um, it was good hanging out with him as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I did on um, Tuesday night. Cool, so, cool, cool, cool. Pretty cool. awesome. Good week so far in terms of watching stuff that rules. Now, with his new Moron movies, is is the technology... Is he, like, on digital now? Well, that's the thing. Like, he started on Super 8, and then he went... When VHS happened, or videotape happened, he went to videotape, and they looked worse. They looked worse than they did on Super 8. So I don't know what this new stuff's going to be. I mean, he... Someone ended up... I think the Johnny Carson ended up... Uh, Johnny Carson show, or the the parent company made a bunch of... or collected a bunch of the VHS ones that he made after, like, he was on the show and all that sure. stuff. And they called it... He called it Crap. That's the name of the movie. And then, uh, <laughs> I think they, uh... They had another name for it, like, Silly Movies or something like that. But, um, yeah, they're... I mean, they're still funny. They just look better, but then they somehow look worse. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they just don't look as cool as the original ones do. But, um, you can watch more on movies on YouTube. Just search it. On Are YouTube. they all on there? I believe the videotape is on there. That's it's cool. Amazing. It's it's genius. And um yeah, so it's it's a really big deal that he's That sounds like something it. Perry would be really into. He's Perry love he like is obsessed with him. Yeah. So he um he Len Selev wrote a book that he illustrated himself. It's called Things to Worry About in Case You Run Out, which Perry had a copy of it and he was showing it to me. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, I have to own this and I bought it on Amazon that day. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, it's like a weird... I'm going to have him sign it. That's my plan. Mm-hmm. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, the book is ridiculous. It has, like, just a bunch of stuff to worry about it. And then his weird illustrations, because he's, like, an artist as well. Mm-hmm. And stuff like... One of the things that was in there was, like, uh, don't walk under bridges, because a depressed person might land on you. Like, this kind of stuff. Like, weird, like, one-shot jokes, you know what I mean? Sure. Genius. Brilliant. So, yeah, that's coming up with the film festival. Really excited about that screening. And, um, yeah, I watched the Mara movies this week. That was also on track. That's what I meant to say. That's good. That's good. Any whack? Uh, whack, of course, is work. Um, you know, other than that, whack, I put juice cleanse under whack. was not fun. <laughs> Don't feel better. Don't, yeah. You know, um, yeah, no, that's it. That's all I got. Okay, cool, 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 pretty, cool. Same pretty positive as You're, Yeah, upbeat. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I'm trying to keep it that way, man. Trying to keep uh, it that way. Is, have you been... In, it's been a little bit since we recorded. Have you been to any other... Did you go to that Exhumed event? You didn't go to that event. No, I didn't. But okay. I went to Crudos. Did we... Oh, we didn't talk. Let's talk about Crudos. Dude, let me tell you something about Crudos. Okay, so I thought that Latex was good. I thought that the Stasi were good. Yeah. Pure Disgust stole the show for me. I have to say, if you were listening... They were so awesome. If you're listening to this and you're someone who actually, not everyone who listens to the podcast, is that involved in punk, right. you know, or cares about punk. So I don't want to assume that. I don't want to say you have to hear Pure Disgust because you might be someone who's not into that and you just like the podcast because you're like us, which and is cool. Yeah, you're cool. Yeah. You're a cool person. <laughs> um, if you are not, if not that you're not cool, but you are someone who cares about punk in any way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to hear Pure Disgust. They were so yeah. good. They were so awesome. Just because it was like, it was like DC hardcore mixed yeah. with like New York hardcore. Yeah. And it was very, not traditional sounding, but it had a lot of that like, 
dude, the mosh that they were playing was so insane. Yeah. It would come out of nowhere. And then, like, the fast parts were just, ah, it was, they were tight. The two, the one guitarist and the bass player, they looked Filipino, so, of course, I'm down with that. And, um, you know, they were just, I thought that they were really tight. I thought they were really fun. And they were, they were fucking hard as nails. They were cool, man. So, uh, yeah, as soon as that show was done, I bought everything that they had on, uh, on Bandcamp. Yeah. Including the new full length, which I think is amazing. Yeah. It's so good. Have you heard it? So, I listened to all the free stuff on Bandcamp, but I haven't paid for stuff yet. Cause oh, yeah. I'm still kind of broke. Hell yeah, dude. That, there, there are a couple purchases on Bandcamp that I've made recently that I'm very proud of. Oh, okay. So one is that four song EP by The Trouble. That I'd never heard oh, before. Oh, yeah, 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 ah, yeah. Dude, if you've listened to the podcast, I don't know if it's been said, but I'm saying it now. The Trouble is one of my favorite hardcore bands of all time. You've and, said, I feel like you've said that. Oh, my God, dude. That four-song EP, I've been listening the hell out of it. And um, I, I think it's really, really, really good. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, I do have a whack. I saw Winged Victory for the Sullen in Losel. Did I tell you about that? No, we haven't talked about it. Talk about that. Well, let's finish off the Los Crudos. Thing. Oh, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> sorry, sorry. We, we go all over the place. It's it's hard to stay on. So, uh, so yeah, so Pure Disgust, they did a cover of uh, Dick's Hate Police, which I thought was sick. Yeah. Uh, it was so good. Uh, and then Los Crudos, man. Talk about seeing, finally so, seeing one of your favorite bands. I have never seen Los Crudos, and yeah. they have long since been one of my most favorite bands of all time. Yeah. So good. And then, I mean, I've seen Limp Wrist, you know what I mean? And I've seen Limp Wrist, too. Really good. I love Limp Wrist Live. Like, Limp Wrist on record is really great, too, but it's not Crudos. Crudos, to me, is like the epitome of political, aggressive, hardcore. Like, it is everything I've ever wanted out of music, period. You know what I mean? Like, it's got style, it's got an aesthetic, it's got something to say, and it's got a way to say it that catches your ear and doesn't let go. Yeah. So, seeing them on stage... After imagining what it must be like having listened to the records for as long as I have, it did not disappoint me at all. Mm. It was unbelievable just from start to finish. And um, it was it smelled bad, I will say. Fair. The crust punk contingent of Philadelphia is... And there was a lot of like drunken... Here's the thing. You, you don't go to see Los Crudos and not be interested in the speeches. Right. right that right. is... Part of the experience, part yeah. of the it's like point seeing, of being there. You don't see Billy Bragg and don't expect to hear a couple tirades against, like, you know, capitalism and yeah. other wanton greedish stuff. Yeah. Like, you go to see Billy Bragg knowing that that's part of what you're getting. And I yeah. I assume that Crudos is the same. Like, I've always heard, yeah, Martin talks a lot, you know? And um, he did talk a lot, but, I mean, none of what he said was not, like... Interesting to hear. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's part of the point is that he has something to say and he's going to say it. And that's part of why you like the band. Yeah. So yeah, why yeah. would you just drunkenly yell? Even though, to be fair, some of the yelling was was uh, contextual to what was happening. You right, know, right, right. He mentioned something about labor and then there's, you know. Uh, Migrant Latin, workers and yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Latin yeah, American yeah, yeah. people. Ooh, we're picking their fruit. Whatever. But I think some of the contextual yelling. Inspired uh, other yelling, which just was just drunken, yeah, dumb yeah, yeah, yelling. Yeah, which was really kind of irritating, but I, I didn't really care just because, you know. Whatever. I was a little distracted. There was one point where a girl just kept yelling, the Caribbean, just over and over the again. The green-haired lady? Was that who? I couldn't see uh, no, There was one was. young lady that kept on yelling something with green hair, and I was like, man... Lady with the green hair is really upset about whatever it is she's yelling. <laughs> I just kept hearing someone yelling about the Caribbean, which is fine. I'm glad you're very proud of the of the Caribbean area. <laughs> Caribbean. 
yeah <laughs> of your caribbean roots but it just didn't seem to be it's like the it's like the first time she yelled it it was relevant not in an intelligent way but at least it was related to what was going on uh-huh. and then it just continued for the entire talky part to the point right. where we've moved on as a crowd and you're still yelling caribbean caribbean and it's especially weird because a lot of what was going on was this, like, Hispanic pride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you don't have to be uh, a, a master's degree holder in cultural, uh, studies. in cultural studies to know that not everyone in the Caribbean <laughs> speaks Spanish. In fact, <laughs> when I was in grad school, I had a, a, a TA for a while when I was at the university who was from a Caribbean island where they do not speak Spanish. And in fact... He uh, used to refer to all the islands where they do speak Spanish as the Mira Mira Islands, and he wasn't from the Mira Mira Islands. He was from, as he put it, one of the brother islands. Wow. And I was like, okay. Fair enough. Hey. You do you, man. That's fine. And granted, I'm I'm Puerto Rican, but I'm like far enough away from that that I'm like, I don't give – I don't care. You can say whatever you want. But – and especially since he's from there. What am I going to say? I was born in Philadelphia. I don't know shit. But – but the thing is, is that like when when Martin is talking about Hispanic issues, yeah. to just keep yelling the Caribbean. I'm like, what <laughs> about weird. fucking Haiti, yo? Like, <laughs> it's not even fair. Come but on. dude, they played everything I wanted to hear. It was sick. It was so awesome, dude. They played Note Demo. They played Asesinos. Like, they played everything that I ever ever wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. And um, the one thing that I came away and forgive me. If this sounds crass or at least stupid. Oh, God. Here we go. But I was not afraid in the middle of that mosh pit like I was afraid in the middle of the mosh pit during Indecision. Oh, you mean... Let me tell you something about the punk rock mosh pit versus the hardcore mosh pit. Sure, 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 sure. It's easy to stand in one place when a bunch of punk rockers are jumping up and down. Yeah. It's not easy to stand in one place when a bunch of meaty dudes from New Jersey are swinging their hands and trying to punch the floor while Indecision's playing different experience altogether and i i guess it tells that i don't go to as many punk shows as i do hardcore shows but i definitely feel a lot more comfortable in a punk mosh pit than i do sure. at, a, at a pit for like gorilla biscuits or like lifetime sure <laughs> and it was one of those things where it's like a bunch of dudes or some guy caught me in the face with an errant hand right got punched in the face and he's he apologized i was like I didn't even feel it, bruh. It's cool. The only way I know is my glasses moved a little bit. Yeah. I'm cool. Had that happened in New Jersey a couple weekends ago, I'd probably be in the hospital right now. Sure. I would have called out of work for at least two weeks. You know yeah. what I mean? This yeah. time, not so much afraid. Respect to all the punk rockers that I've come up with. <laughs> I still didn't get into the pit. A, because I don't know what I'm going to do in there. I'm <laughs> yeah. not a fan of the pit. If I'm not going to be one of the people doing things in the pit, uh-huh. I don't want to be near that. Yeah, you don't want to... If I'm in it, then I'd actually rather be... If I am near it, I would rather be moshing because... To me, that's that is the position that is the least welcome. Is the I'm trying to just enjoy myself standing like here, standing but I would side. like to stand near the people swinging their arms. That's yeah. a bad position to be in. No, it's not so, a good look. And for me, like it was, you're right. It was hot and smelly in there. Yeah, it was. I was worried about spilled beer and the like. So I just got under one of those speakers and watched from the side. Oh man! And honestly, great. I got a good view and good sound, so yeah. I was fine. With it. it was a little loud, but I'm okay with that. Like that's why I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and I just didn't want. I also was like, "What am I going to do? Am I going to ruin some punk's good time because I want to 
rock out for Crudos. No, I'd rather just watch from the side. And yeah. I had a good I enjoyed it. I was a, I also was a little out of it. My sugar was a little off, so I think mm. I was a little sleepy, you know. Um which I didn't realize until I got home that night and I was uh, like, oh my sugar oh. is all fucked up. Oh that sucks. But <laughs> uh but uh yeah I thought they were amazing. I loved everything Martine had to say. Yeah. It was a good time. It but, was just I mean, like just a seen, great show to be a part of. Punk's that old. Yeah that old but, Yo, Ebro, that drummer? Yeah. That dude has played in some amazing bands. Sure. He used to drum for MK Ultra. Yeah. He played in um He played in all those bands. He played in CR, didn't he? Or no no, he wasn't in CR. But like he was in like a bunch of bands from that time that were amazing to me. Sure. And seeing him play was awesome. It was like seeing Sammy Siegler play for the first first time. Like Yeah. That was awesome to me. I think um I think um that show is good evidence to me of because you get a lot of backlash now about reunions. And I think that's silly. To me, it's like a reunion can be judged by the content of the band and the performance. Uh-huh. For a band like Crudos, not a lot has changed for those dudes. It's not like those dudes have moved on with their lives and now they're just coming back to cash in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. doing it and they still care about it. It's they're still part of who they that's are. That's what they do. That's what yeah. they love, you know? And um, it was a great performance. They were still passionate. You didn't, it didn't feel like they were it faking it. It was ferocious. It was so they good. They were so brutal, man. Like yeah. they were going for it. Like they were a bunch of kids. You know. And I, and I think it is a good reminder that there really is a tradition of Latinos in uh, the punk and hardcore scene, yeah. and that they, yeah. you know, Crudus is one of those bands that demands respect. You know, like they were doing it their own way for a long time. You yeah, know? they're so good, man. So good. That was the only other band that has 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 walked that line of reunion and still being amazing for mm-hmm. me thus far has been Rorschach. When we saw oh, Rorschach, play, yeah, yo, they were unbelievable. So tell me about the other show you went to that was not so. Big. I went to go see. A Winged Victory for the Sullen right. and Losel. And if you don't know, these bands are more of an ambient style music, like really chill, laid back. Uh, Losel is purely electronic. It's all like, it's one guy and he does like electronic soundscapes. I love his records. I can listen to them while I'm doing stuff. I can listen when I'm not doing stuff. If you like Brian Eno, specifically like Ambient 1, 2, 3, yeah. 4 and that kind of stuff, this is basically that, like that kind of style. A Winged Victory for the Sullen is more orchestrated. There's a there's like a cello, violin, piano, like lots of other elements to the music. They played in the sanctuary of the church. Now, to be fair, the only other show that I saw in the church sanctuary was Sun. And I don't know if I ever told you about that show. It was Sun, Jack Rose, and Growing. Okay. And Jack Rose was awesome. He did. He just rubbed his slide against his guitar strings for like twenty minutes. <laughs> Amazing. And then Growing, you know, I don't know if you listen to Growing, but it was they were really good. But then Sun came on, and this is when Sun put out Black One. If you, Have you ever listened to Black no, One? No, I'm not a big Sun fan. So Black One is their first record where they had a vocalist that okay. wasn't just um, the guy reading the poem. Yeah, and it right. was uh, Malefic from Zaster, the, the guy from that black metal band, Zaster. So Sun came on. Now, also, keep in mind, when we got there, all the R5 guys were dressed in robes, and the church was lit with candles. Second, Sun came on with a fog machine, and they came out in their robes, and it's just Greg Anderson and uh, the other guy, I forget his, um, Stephen O'Malley and Greg Anderson, right? So they come out, and they're playing their feedback, whatever, with the fog machine on the pulpit, like they're standing at the front. And I was sitting in the first pew, so I could see it all, and it was insane. The fog machine, all that shit. And then Zaster guy, Malefic, came out in corpse paint, in a robe. So now it's just three robed dudes, and this guy comes out 
with a robe, and he makes the sign of the cross with the microphone, and everybody in the crowd loses their mind. And the next thing I know, we are challenged with a 60-minute set of Sonic Punishment, with him just being like, and then like them playing like the crazy sun music that they play. And then at the end of the set, someone started punching out the, the floodlights on the stage. The one, either Steve Romelli or, or uh, Greg Anderson. And each light that he punched out went out in a spark. It was scary. And then they were throwing stuff at the people in the pews. Like, there was a bottle of wine on stage I got thrown. I thought I was going to die. So now, this show, same room, different bands. Did not think I was going to die. <laughs> I thought, we left halfway through Wing and Victory for the song set because it was just too much. I couldn't take it. It was warm in there, and it was like the pews, which, you know, not exactly known for their comfort. Sure. And then, like, people playing sleepy time music. It's just like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. No visual component at all. I mean, like, to be fair, I love this kind of performance. However, every time I've seen it where it was something to be held, there was always a visual component to it. Not just people sitting, by, like, over their instruments and playing. Sure. So, <clears throat> so it was a little bit weird. But, um... And I love that record. Atomos, also one of my favorite records of the year last year. Just couldn't get into it live, man. Yeah. Could not get into it. And it was also funny because John Hiltz was there doing the sound for that. So yeah. in, in the in the series, I saw John Hiltz at Nate Fest, John Hiltz at Wing of Victory for the song, and then John Hiltz did sound for Crudos. So it's like seeing him for all three of those shows. Yeah. It's like, hey, John, how you doing, man? What's going on, buddy? I felt so bad for him at Nate Fest. The sound there was terrible. And there was, <coughs> there was nothing he could do. Yeah, it was awful. Man. So, uh, my whacking on track, we've actually covered a lot of my on track already. You know, talking right. about, you know, I, I, It Follows is amazing. Uh, Crudos was amazing. All that stuff. Um, I think the one thing I have to share would be I went to New York with Susan to check out that movie Timbuktu. You know about this movie? No, tell me that. So, I think it might be a French production, but it's set in Timbuktu. And it's... Uh, Set during briefly Timbuktu was under control of one of these jihadist groups, maybe Boko Haram, maybe uh, a offshoot of Al Qaeda, or uh, I don't know. The flag they're using looks like the Islamic State flag in the movie, mm. and they never say which group it is. But you know, I'm sure someone who knows more about world history would know the context. So the movie just opens with uh, this community in Timbuktu sort of adjusting to this control. And clearly the jihadists have been in control for a little while. Uh, and it's a very it's a very small film. It's very in the sense of like there's not a lot going on. There's no big action pieces, whatever. But yet it's also so tense and there's so much uh, at stake under the surface and there's so much going on that it like it's a it's a very emotional film. Uh, it somehow manages to combine on one hand it's very humanizing Uh, you see the diversity of the community in Timbuktu the various cultures involved you see their version of Islam sort of coming into conflict with the version of Islam that's being brought in Um, but and you also to some extent see the humanity of the jihadists which is really interesting because the movies like shows you who they are what they're about makes them real people and then has them make horrifying decisions. You know what I mean? It's yeah, kind of like yeah, yeah. It, it, it would it would well, that's maybe an extreme example, but it, it, it would be like seeing war criminals for who they are as people, their unique personalities, their likes and dislikes, their flaws, and then they just kill somebody. And right. it's like, oh, I was just starting to think that guy wasn't so bad, but the movie's not about 
what they didn't do. It's about what they did do and who they are. And uh. and even some of the worst things that happen are not even things they want to happen. It's it, it almost creates an atmosphere in which you feel the way that their ideology, this sort of jihadist ideology, is as dehumanizing to them as it is to their victims. Because wow. they can't be themselves. They are sort of conflicted in what they're doing. But they are sure they have to do it this way. And it doesn't make any sense. Like, there's a character in the movie that's the local imam. And it's pretty clear that he's from, like, a, a different tradition. And they, on one hand, they want to respect him because he's a local imam. On the other hand, he just keeps challenging them, you know? And uh, there's a local family that sort of... Uh, gets into some conflict and uh and the central i think sort of uh there's a few different things going on in the movie but the central sort of point of tension ends up being uh to my perspective uh not even related to the jihadists it's really a conflict that would have happened without them but it's like the way that they handle the conflict makes it even worse. You know, it's like just a local thing. So uh, I don't want to give anything away, but... Uh, Where did you see this? So I saw this in New York. It had a wide release. Well, not I, that's wrong. It had a wider release. It had a... What's the medium release? It was at Art Films. It played, it played at the Ritz yeah. in Philly. But um, for some reason, it's still at this theater in New York. Uh, the Quad Cinemas. So Quad Cinemas is on 13th. Near, I want to say Sixth Ave. Mm. I don't. I'm not a huge New York person, so people who know Manhattan are probably like, "No, it's not dummy." But it's it's, <laughs> it's across the street from the New School. It's right by the New School, right, right. Uh, and so it's a small theater. It wasn't maybe the best environment to see it because it's visually amazing. I'd say even if the plot wasn't as well done or the acting wasn't as good or whatever, it would still be worth seeing just because it's actually beautiful. It's a very beautifully shot movie, which. More than anything else, the cinematography is what really got me about the movie. But then the movie also works pretty well. I mean, I guess for someone who prefers action-packed movies, uh, you know, when they're when they're not busy wiping the jewel away from their mouths, they might not be into. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being a jerk about that. Uh, no, no, I just think it's I think it's a powerful, visceral movie. Yeah. It's a sort of movie like I got emotional, but that when we left, there were these two older white women behind us who were like weeping. It's so intense, like not like you know everyone does the movie cry where they're like, oh, it's a little sad. These women were just like. <laughs> oh, it was so I was like ooh so and it's what's so weird is there are notes of hope in it there's notes in it but overall it's a soul crushing movie yeah, yeah. Wow. which again people might hate that if you're not into that whatever uh, but I thought it was amazing it was just an amazing movie right. so anyways Timbuktu uh, and I've seen a couple of other things uh, that were pretty good but I feel like that's the thing if I was going to recommend anything Timbuktu, uh, would Timbuktu would be it and then um, Whack yeah, you know, I don't really have any... Uh, I don't know that I had... Oh, oh, okay, so recently I tried to watch a little movie called Wolf Cop. Oh, it's on Netflix. Yeah, and some people recommended it, and I feel bad because uh, one of the people I know who really liked it is Josh Goldblum. Told uh-huh. me it was really good. Uh, and I love Josh, so big ups to him. But I just got to disagree. I just didn't I didn't like it. Okay. I, uh, I t- it took two rounds to watch it because uh, the first time I just fell asleep midway through. Whoa. And I woke up and it was over. And I was like, well, that's not a good sign. <laughs> but I went back and rewatched it again and made it through. And it's fine. I mean, here's the thing. It's not a terrible movie. But here, a werewolf as a cop, 
that should sell me. That should yeah, be enough. Yeah, that's already right there. You're there. I'm in. Yeah. And, I mean, it takes forever for him to be the werewolf cop. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I will say, a lot of people point out the transformation of him into a werewolf in the movie. Is it good? It's almost worth watching it just for that. Right. Okay. And I think some people would say it is worth watching it just for that. For me, that was not enough to justify this movie. But it was sick. It was, that part was great, and I was awake and engaged for that. But uh, but over- awake and engaged. Oh yeah. <laughs> but overall, it was it was not great. It was not great. It was not great. All right. Um, and oh no, I have a whack actually, but I feel bad. I'm not going to do that. Never All mind. right, then let's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to yeah, piss yeah. someone off. Well, I just I I I, uh, I was at a show recently that was awesome. I thought for most of the show. And then there was one band that was really bad. Oh, man. I hate that feeling. Yeah, when there's just that one that stinker yeah, and you're like, like oh. dude, man, what are you doing yeah, here? It's like, what we don't need doing? a dinner break. We haven't been here all day. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's rough. That's yeah. rough. Did you hear that um, That Vice had put out a documentary about Judge? So I watched the first part. I haven't seen it yet. I How thought it was it? interesting. I would wait till the whole thing is out. Vice yeah. always does this when they do these documentaries. They release them in parts. Yeah. And then yeah. they release the whole thing. I would just wait for the whole thing. The part was interesting. Uh, it was some interviews with Mike Judge and mm-hmm. some footage. Purcell's in there? Purcell's in there. The part that I watched, they didn't have that much of Purcell. It was just... It was like intro interviews, like clips, and then Mike Judge talking about getting into hardcore. Right, right, right. But what I saw was cool, so I'm looking forward. I think I'm just going to wait till the whole thing's out. And we're just going to watch And the just whole thing. watch the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And All then right. I would like to talk about it on the show, because it seems kind of cool. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, I asked on Twitter if anyone had anything they wanted to discuss. Jeremy brought up uh, Going Clear. Which I have not seen. So Josh hasn't seen this. I would want to recommend it if you are someone who has access to HBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Let's the, talk about it. It's, what, like, so what's the deal? What is Going Clear? So, uh, oh yeah. So Going Clear. Um, going Clear. For those of you who don't know, HBO did this documentary. And it is a documentary about Scientology. And, you know, as a vaguely religious person... When there are these sort of uh, expose documentaries about other religions, it feels like a particularly gross kind of schadenfreude, or however you say that word, Mm -hmm. you know, taking joy in other people's pain, to be like, oh man, it was so good, and they look like such assholes, or whatever. (laughs) But in this case, it's so egregious, it's so bad, that I don't feel bad saying, see the documentary, and see how how bullshit Scientology is. And that's not to say that there isn't any religion in the world that doesn't have some bullshit to deal with. Right. And in some cases, huge amounts. But Scientology seems to be bullshit all the way down. And that has wow. led to some insane abuses. It'd be one thing if, if uh, L. Ron Hubbard was just a crazy dude who made up some religion, as he said, to make money. I mean, he pretty, he's pretty open in his writings that their initial thing was like, yeah, I'm going to make this thing up and we're going to make money and whatever. Really? Uh, yeah. And, and then there seems to be a certain amount of him maybe working through his own mental illness in the religion and uh, the ideas about what they're doing. And there's a certain secret secrecy to it where um, some of the craziest ideas, you know, Xenu and the dead aliens and all that stuff, you don't really get to know that stuff till you're like really invested. I mean, you know, the religion costs money. It's like, it's not really in some senses the way it was originally set up a religion. It's a thing you do to be better. So you pay for this therapy. Well, 
you keep clearing these levels, getting better and better. Then at a certain level, they're like, okay, well, you are now at this level, so here's the secrets. And it's handwritten notes from L. Ron Hubbard, and that's where you get all the fucking aliens and the volcanoes and their spirits and the atomic bombs and this being a prison planet and all this cr- literally insane crazy shit. Yeah. Like, next level crazy. And, you know, again, not that other religions don't have their own crazy shit, but this is some just out there stuff that leads to abuses and dishonesty and treat you know they have this whole wing that's just about attacking their critics and uh the various ways they've you know denied this and the other or the crazy stuff Ron Hubbard did while he was alive and the way his successors have tried to manipulate people and most of the people in the documentary are formerly very high up people but the head of Scientology got so paranoid at a certain point that almost all the heads of the faith were kept in a bunker isolated and basically emotionally tortured because he just didn't trust them so a lot of these people and what's any of the movie stars uh not in that group but, yeah, I mean, uh, they didn't get a lot of interviews with movie stars because a lot of the movie stars involved are still involved. I mean, Tom Cruise still is in. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's – and he gets – like, literally, they interviewed people about how at one point when him and Nicole Kidman broke up, which was partly their church made that happen. Uh, they just found him – He they were just like, Tom needs another girlfriend. So they just picked a hot woman who was part of Scientology and just said, you're going to be Tom's girlfriend. Dawson's Creek lady? No, different different young lady. But again, the suggestion, I think, is that Dawson's Creek lady was probably the same thing, that this example is an example of what... Because they, they could prove sort of what this woman went through because she talked about it, uh-huh. as opposed to... And she's not in Scientology anymore, but she had to sign a non-disclosure agreement, so they used her testimony, but they couldn't get her to talk about her testimony wow. because she signed a non-disclosure agreement as part of her... her court case against Scientology. Wow. So, anyways, it's worth seeing it. Uh, I don't want to give too much away. I mean, not that it's not public record. It's hard to, like, spoil a documentary. Yeah. But you yeah, kind of yeah. can. You can talk about it so much that watching it becomes irrelevant. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would, I would recommend it. told me it's two hours long, too. He's like, it's two hours on the nose. Yeah, it's definitely two hours. I did not feel like it was too long. I mean, we put it on not knowing how long it was, just we're going to watch it. And it wasn't until it was over that it occurred to us, like, oh, man, was that two hours? You know? Because it was just absorbing. It's great. I just think Scientology is so crazy. Yeah. And that's fully acknowledging the craziness of other religions. This is so much crazier to me. Really? And abusive and just awful. But again... Uh, I have to be careful because I don't want it to be like, oh, don't look at our craziness because look at these assholes, which yeah, I think yeah, happens yeah. a lot. You know, the way that Christians, for example, take a lot of joy in pointing out, Christians will do this a lot, notice, with like uh, uh, Mormonism, you know, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Back in the day, Mormonism used to have this thing, this doctrine about how people who weren't white were lesser people. They were lesser spiritual beings. And Christians love to bring that shit up. As if Christianity wasn't embedded into the functioning of racism. As if if Christianity, especially Christianity in America, wasn't a big part of racism and racism a big part of Christianity. They all point to the Mormons and they say, oh, don't trust them. They used to have this racist thing going on. Like, motherfucker, they got that from you. Like, don't don't act like you're holier than thou in that sense. You know what I mean? (laughs) Literally Uh, holier than thou. Yeah, literally. Literally holier than thou. Holier than thee. Holier than than, 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 than,
no, but yeah, yeah. So I, I want to avoid that. But I, I feel like I'm on pretty safe ground here to say Scientology is some crazy. Yeah, crazy I don't shit. think that too many people in our in our tax bracket would be like, oh no, you're full of shit. You got to be rich, right, to be. <clears throat> I mean, it feels that way. It feels like the whole thing is like this. Mu- and dude, you don't understand. They have something like ten billion or eight billion dollars at this point. Like they have billions of dollars. Is that? But all? they have less members than they used to. So they're down to like seventy-five thousand members, but billions, and billions of dollars because they just keep investing in real estate. So they own property all over the world, but they have less people actually participating. So your landlord could potentially be a Scientology dude. Uh, I think they probably invest in places nicer than than Easton, than Easton PA. <laughs> Definitely no Scientologists in Cash Money Kenzo. No Scientology slumlords in uh, my neck of the woods. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would definitely recommend going clear. That was yeah. that was serious. That was for serious. All right. All right. I definitely want to watch that. that yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So here's one of the things I want to talk about today. Let's do it. Uh, last night before Fast and Furious 7, mm-hmm. saw the trailer for Avengers 2. Right. Saw the trailer for Poltergeist. Sure. Saw the trailer for... Um, Fury Road. Yeah. Yo, how awesome is this summer going to be? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I guess in a sense we could... We could I don't this, know shit about Poltergeist. I should also put that out there. We, we could make this our summer movie preview, which sure. for me, I mean, as you know, I've said this on the, on the podcast before, I'm not such a movie guy that I'm like looking through every movie coming out of the summer and getting like a boner. Right. Like, to me, I don't care about your movie until there's a... A trailer on Hulu or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we mentioned how you love the Hulu trailer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Once there's a trailer, I'll start getting stoked. Right. But there are people who are like, "Oh, I can't wait for you know." Like I've actually seen people say, "Like, oh man, Infinity War is going to be so sick," yeah, and I'm like, like Dude, "That's so much that's line. so yeah. far away," you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't keep, I don't, I don't like paying attention to casting developments, all that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah. we're approaching summer, so I think there's some excitement there. I mean, to be fair, again, I don't know every movie coming out this summer. Me neither. But some of the big ones, I mean, Jurassic World, the trailer. So I no, in all the way I, in. Not a good I, question. Uh, I was very questionable. I I, no. I I was not excited. Seeing the, the latest... image of Star Lord riding a motorcycle alongside Raptors doesn't blow your mind, then you, sir, are incapable of having your mind blown. Because that shit looks awesome. I don't know. I can't. Oh my god! The, the, the fucking dinosaur eating the shark that doesn't do anything for you. I mean, okay. So the latest trailer that I saw was fun, and uh, yeah, I mean the Star Lord thing. You know, the fact that he's in it is kind of cool. I do like the Raptor thing, but I mean, part of my anxiety about the movie is a that we just make the same movie. We add different bells and whistles. You know, it's kind of like, and this is something we disagree on. Uh, I don't think Sig Vidal needed to re-record Blood, Sweat, and No Tears. I think Blood, Sweat, and No Tears was good the way it was. And if Sig of It All wants to do something cool, they should write a new record. My worry with Jurassic World is that the plot is basically the same ideas from Jurassic Park. But we've added Raptors on our side and Star-Lord, and now it's, like, cooler somehow. I want it to be different shit. I want it to have a different something going on and not just to be the same thing over again. Uh, and, I mean, any series like that, I'm never going to get excited for the Fourth or the fifth or the whatever it is. One as I am five is coming out this summer too. Yeah, not stoked. uh, That's a little different because I feel like the Phantasm movies have been consistently weird. Uh, To be fair, I haven't seen four yet. I've only seen Phantasm one through three. 
So I have no idea. Oh, you haven't seen the one where where the kid turns into the ball? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, but I do think the Phantasm movies that I've seen have been consistently weird. And I hear four is amazing. I need to see it. So uh, that's a little bit different with Jurassic Park movies. You've got Jurassic Park, which is amazing. Then, as far as I'm concerned, you have two other pieces of trash. Right. Just okay. awful movies that should not exist. Fair. And so Fair. now we're coming up on four. Now that could still be great. I mean, I think there are examples of uh, franchises pulling it around. So, for example, uh, I think Friday the 13th. Yeah, it gets better after. Yeah, Friday the 13th Part 4 is interesting. Yeah. Friday the 13th Part 6 is stupid well, but fun. Do you think that you can say that the horror genre... Is stands bereft of this because the horror sequel is a thing that's always been. Whereas only recently have we gotten to sequels like number four, number five of movies that aren't horror genre movies. I don't know. I mean, obviously a, an example of that not being true is the Bond movies, but it's hard to know if the Bond movies count because there's no consistency. It's yeah, not they, clear that any Bond any movie... Yeah. And be so, right at the beginning. So I think, I think that's a difficult thing. I do think the horror... Genre, you're right, has more franchises. Yeah. Uh, there's some examples in other genres, but not as consistently as horror. So it's hard to know. I mean, like I said, uh, I, I mean, you don't need to get that intellectual about it. Yeah. Chris Pine, that's his name, right? Chris Pine? Sure. He's on a motorcycle and there's raptors with yeah. him. Yeah. So at some point you just got to go, okay, that could be cool. But <laughs> I'm also willing to say, I mean, remember how excited we were, for example, for Godzilla? Oh, uh, yeah. And in As the in the theater in the theater even I thought this is mostly good, but if you were like yo let's go watch Godzilla right now I'd be like eh, isn't there something else yeah, 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 yeah. there's a lot of movies I gotta watch at the I time know. I was stoked I think that on the episode that we did about Godzilla we were way stoked on it you were bummed on the Japanese actor that he was doing uh, the, the yeah. mystical Asian which thing. I still I stand by that yeah but. Overall, were we stoked on the movie? I think we both uh, enjoyed the movie overall and felt yeah. like it was okay. a sign that sci-fi was going in a good direction. But that's wasn't the same summer that this is just last summer, right? Yeah, so then Guardians of the Galaxy Guardians came out. Galaxy, so yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy blew. We were excited on all those movies, and then Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy came out, and you're like, those movies suck compared to Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Yeah, and I stand by that still. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, and so continuing with the summer. Uh, it's hard. Again, I I hate to be one of those people that just looks at their trailer and goes, oh, okay, obviously that's going to be amazing. Yeah. Because that's not real. I mean, you're buying into a hype. You're buying into an advertisement. And yet, it's impossible for me to watch that Fury Road trailer and, and not, not think... pump your fist. Oh my God, it looks yeah. amazing. Dude, I think it's... Do you think that has... I don't even think it has a chance to fail. I think it's going to be... It's so awesome in its conceptualization right now. Only that's judging just on the trailer. Only because some people have seen it. Some people have seen it. Who's seen it? Uh, yeah, they, they, uh, some critics have seen it. I've seen people comment on it online that they've seen it and they like it. So to me, that says I feel okay about it. Now, again, anything could go wrong. I mean, I'm sure people went into Thunderdome thinking, well, I mean, Road Warrior was amazing. Mad Max was sick. Clearly, Thunderdome is just going to be that much better. And then Thunderdome is, is, is a pile of trash. Just an awful movie. So... Yeah, I mean, I kind of love it, but it's but it's bad, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, so I Fury Road could be like a wonderful misfire that we love in one sense, but think is terrible. But yeah, based on the trailers, yeah, I am nothing Hardy but excited. Is a hundred percent in my book. I've not seen him in a bad movie. 
Including Locke. Locke, I thought, was amazing. No, Locke was amazing. Yeah, there isn't any movie that I've seen Tom Hardy in that I was like, man. I even like him in that Peaky Blinders show. Did you ever I watch that show? that show? Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. And I think, I, I mean, the show's not great, but he's pretty good in it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay, what are you thinking about Avengers, though? Oh, my God. Dude. Dude. Every single trailer I freaked the fuck out for, man. There's no, there's no thing that I've seen about Avengers 2 that has made me be calm. There's some part of me... That wants to be more cynical. Uh, I'm not. I'm as, not as, a, as a comic book fan, I want to be cynical. As a film fan, it just feels like comic book movies are eating up the film industry. Yeah. And it's like, you can't even make a movie for a bunch of money unless it feels like a comic book movie anymore. And I want to, like, bemoan that. There's some part of me that's frustrated with that. That it's like, this isn't okay. But on the other hand, I really don't give a fuck. Because it looks so good. I mean, here's the thing. There are misfires within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. A lot of people defend all the movies. I yeah, can't do no, that. No, we got Ant-Man coming. I know that's going to be bad. Yeah, I'm not interested in Ant-Man. Yeah, no. uh, and I, I thought, I thought, I thought, for example, Iron Man 3 was not great. Yeah, it was just okay. I, I, don't, I don't love either of the Thor movies. I don't think they're terrible, but I don't do you hate care them? about them. Uh, I'm just, they're just mild. They just don't exist for me. They're just sort of a thing, and I don't care about them, you know? Okay. Um, so far, Winter Soldier... Amazing. The first Captain America is pretty good. Although Amazing. although I like Winter Soldier better. Winter Soldier better. I like Guardians of the Galaxy better. Guardians of the Galaxy right to now is the, is the best. Comic. It's the best yeah. one. Avengers, I you know, it's lost a little bit of a chain over time because there are parts of it for me that are so weeden, that are so like goofy, silly, yeah. that I can kind of see why some people didn't love it. But I can still watch it. I watched it recently for no yeah. reason. Just was like, yeah, put in the Avengers. And I watched it, the whole thing. I was not, it's not like I was like, I'm committed to watching a movie. It was like, we'll, we'll just throw it on. Mm. And I, I had to see the whole thing. So yeah. it's still pretty compelling. Still awesome. And I think the trailers look kind of good. I mean, uh, granted, this could be a setup movie. Which that they're leading. Yeah, like yeah. the last Spider-Man or whatever. Yeah. But the vision's at the end. Dude, Yo. vision I'm stoked on. Oh my God. This is the other thing, like I can't, I can't divorce my excitement for Avengers from, even though I was making fun of people who are looking forward all the way to, like, Infinity War, just the next couple movies. I mean, Civil War seems like it's going to be cool. Uh, bring Spider-Man into this universe, I'm still for. I still yeah, think it's going to be no, cool. I'm into it. Uh, is, now, is it Captain Marvel? Miss Marvel? Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. I get those characters mixed up sometimes. But it, Carol Danvers basically yeah. is, right? Uh, although, it'll be interesting for me because... When I got into comic books, Carol Danvers was dead. Ah, right. Rogue had killed her, and that's why Rogue had powers, you know? So this will be interesting to see Carol Danvers. Now, they've brought her back in comic books, but as I've said before, like, I'm not reading superhero comic books in the last eight years. Right. So in some ways, I can't even be that picky about these movies, because they probably are consistent with where comic books are now, but I'm always thinking about the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> I mean, I stopped collecting in hardcore and comic books. Yeah, that's 80s fair. And the 90s. Yeah, the golden age of hardcore and comic books. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, pr- I probably stopped collecting superhero. Com- I stopped, I think, in '96. Right. And then I got back into it again in 2000, and then I stopped. I did for like a couple years, and I stopped. And uh-huh. then I got back into it again around Civil War. Right. And I got all Civil War. But Civil War was hard because I had been out of it for so long. I didn't have some of the context that uh, was necessary right, for understanding. Right, right, right. So, so for example, uh, that team that's all villains. What is the name of that Suicide team? Suicide Squad. No, that's DC. DC, sorry, sorry. 
Uh, Marvel has their own version. I'm Sinister sure someone Six. knows. No, 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 no. There was a comic that came out in the early 2000s that's still around. Oh. That was a big part of Civil War. And that it's a team that's all villains, but no one knows. They're like, unlike Sinister Six, or not Sinister, unlike Suicide Squad, this is a team that everyone's pretending to be superheroes, but underneath it's They're all really villains. Captain Nemo and all these villains are a part of it. And maybe they change that over time, but I forget what the name of the comic book is. Captain I have a Nemo? Yeah, isn't that his name? You mean Namor? No, the dude from the future. Oh, I don't know. He has a crown. Or am I confusing him with um, Kang the Conqueror? Kang the crown? The purple crown? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You're you're going to weird shit for me. I don't know anything about it. Uh, Thunderbolts. The Thunder... Maybe it's Thunderbolts? I have the internet right in front of me. I know. I'm I know. not looking like, it Beyond up. that, it sounds like you're having like a weird Tourette's episode. <laughs> like, Thunderbolts! <laughs> Thunderbolts! Oh, oh, <laughs> What's happening? Who are you? <laughs> Watch. Or you know what happens sometimes? I get on this show and start saying shit about comic books. And then I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And then I look it up later and I go, I do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, right. Captain Nemo is from uh, Thousand Leagues Under yeah, the Sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guy. a fucking idiot. <laughs> Let's see if Thunderbolts is a thing. Thunderbolt is the guy from... Uh, no, shut the, the fuck, fuck up. up. Dude, he's... Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking about a different guy. I'm thinking Black Bolt. Hmm. Yeah, which... Have you been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? No. Oh, man. Can I recommend that you watch it? Evo uh, and I were talking about this also. Evo was saying that, like, he, it's one of those shows that we're like, yeah, we should get into it, and then just never watch so. I think it's getting to the point where if you don't watch it ever, you're not going to get some of the shit in the movies. Oh, really? That these, they've already introduced Inhumans. The movie isn't for another year, at least, maybe two years. Inhumans exist in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They're One of the agents has been turned into an Inhuman. Really? Yeah. Okay. you got to check it out. All right. All right. It's, all right. I, I mean, I'm now to be well, fair. Do I start from episode one and, and go all the way? Do I have to do that? I don't want uh, to do that. Not Captain Nemo. Baron Zemo <laughs> is the leader of the Thunderbolts. I was right about. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Which right. was a, a team of villains. There so, should be a superhero named Captain Emo. Uh, reformed supervillains. The group first appeared in the Incredible Hulk number four forty nine in nineteen ninety seven. Right. So yeah. that's right about the time I stopped collecting comics. But I, I picked up some Thunderbolts later. Uh, partly during Civil War, but then also before that, too. You know, as an aside, you know what comic book I have been reading? What? <laughs> uh, I've been going over uh, the old Yusagi Yojimbo books. Oh, you told me about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, there's a movie I want to see, but anyway. Yeah. Samurai Rabbit. Come on. Shit is great. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. That, that shit, shit is, great. is great. So, um, so okay. So, what other summer movies are coming out that we should be stoked on? Um... So far, uh, Jurassic World, uh, Mad Max Fury Road, and Avengers 2 is what I'm super hyped on. I'm not hyped. What are your thoughts on the Poltergeist we make? So here's the thing. The trailers don't look bad. I don't think they look bad. I don't. Okay. All right. But the very concept of a remake of that movie, to me, seems weird only in the, in the fact that... Um, the original is so perfect in so what it is and so that wonderful. I don't I don't need it. No, that doesn't mean the remake will be bad. But yeah, to me, but, to know, me, it's kind of like Nelson, like right. and Zelda Rubenstein's not in it, and um, you know, it's I mean, because she's dead. But like, you know, like 
all that stuff that made the original Poltergeist amazing is now just being replaced. And like, okay, sounds stupid. In the trailer, yeah, the there here scene is done with a flat screen TV. Yeah, come on. You know that I mean? bothers you. That's yeah, a thing. Yeah, no, it's not even. I mean, like, what, but what are you going to do? Are you going to get a tube television that nobody has and do that in the remake of Poltergeist now? No, because that'd be dumb too. You'd end up with the Carrie scenario where you got the girls taking like cell phone photographs of Carrie, uh, Carrie White in the gym class having her period for the first time, and she goes home. And there are rotary phones at her house with uh, with what's her name? You yeah, know what I mean, it's just like it's not going to work. But I don't. I. I kind of feel like I'm not going to enjoy this Poltergeist remake. My guess is it's going to be similar to the RoboCop remake. Which was just fine. Yeah, that's the thing is that, like, on one hand, I railed against RoboCop remake at the time because RoboCop is one of my favorite movies. And some people may say I over... I I, I over-hype or... Maybe over-hype isn't the right word. You over-denied. You hyper-denied it. No, I think in the sense of, like, that I overestimate the quality of the original RoboCop. Oh, so making oh, a oh, crappy oh. remake is fine because the original is not that great. But for me personally, I love RoboCop. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So uh, the fact that the remake is surprisingly good doesn't mean anything because it's still not as good as the original. Right. Here's an idea. Take all the themes from the RoboCop remake, make another movie not called RoboCop. Right. Okay. Then I'll just right. be like, "Oh, I saw this sci-fi movie. It was pretty good. Granted, it ripped off RoboCop a little bit, <laughs> but whatever. That's fine." Uh, instead, I'm evaluating it based upon the old movie, and I feel like it's unfair to right. create. In the same sense with Poltergeist, granted, if it this is, I feel like this Poltergeist movie looks a lot like the original in yeah. a lot of ways. Well, it seems like there's so much from the trailer alone right. that was in the original movie, like the tennis ball and the rope, the clown. Like, all, like, these elements are there. The Let's, only difference is that you have better special effects now. Yeah. Let's name a few more for you that are coming up. Tomorrowland. Uh, oh, the Disney one. Um, I'm into it. I'm into it. I don't know anything about it. Is it a book? Neither do I. Uh, it's, it's, I'm pretty sure Tomorrowland is based off of the ride or the area at Disneyland. What? That it's, that it's uh, a plot based around that. Oh. But... The trailer looks cool. Uh, is that Kevin Costner? No, no, no. It's um, it's a white guy. George Clooney. Oh, George Clooney. Okay, yeah, I like him. I like George Clooney. Yeah, I like so him I'm okay with Kevin. That. Sorry. Uh, here's the thing: Entourage movie. Ah, never cared about Entourage. Fuck you, Entourage. Really? All the way. Fuck you. Oh way. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't care you about like that. the show though. Uh, I, yeah, when it first came on, I watched it. I found it amusing, but the show got old. By yeah. the end of the series, I'm like, I can't care about this shit anymore. <laughs> so the fact that they got money to make a movie, I'm like, God damn it. I was already done with this. Why are you even curious? So I I mean, I'm not going to see it. That's okay. That fair enough. Nope. Uh, have you seen the trailer for Dope? Uh, no. Mm. Good? I think, good? It, I think it looks interesting. You know what uh, looks amazing? Yeah. The trailer for Southpaw. Did you see that? Yes. Yo, that does look amazing. Jake Gyllenhaal looks crazy in that movie, man. And it's directed by the guy who uh, did the was it the wire? Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. He did he did one of those like the shield or something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I forget. Yeah, but it's a big director name. But it looks awesome. Speaking of sequels, uh-huh. Terminator Genesis. I'm in. It's got I, Arnold. It's got I'm Arnold. iffy. I'm, I'm iffy. You're, oh, now have you seen the trailer? And I don't even remember what it's called. But for the zombie movie that Arnold did. 
Yeah. Martha? I think it's called Martha. Yeah. If you haven't seen this trailer, search it out. amazing. It's an indie. I don't know if it's indie. It's filmed like an indie film. It's at least a small film. It's a small film about a a future where zombies exist. They're mostly under control, but it's like a longer process of becoming a zombie. Yeah. So when you get infected, you're supposed to be quarantined and whatever. And Arnold plays his father whose daughter daughter gets infected and he wants to like save her. It looks awesome. It looks dark and depressing. Yeah. And here's the thing. Cast Arnold in those roles. He doesn't need to be an action star anymore. Cast him as the old dad dad, who's surprisingly tough for a man his age, (laughs) but he's not a fucking action hero. You know what I mean? Like, I I think it looks great. It looks amazing. And it's getting good reviews. Yeah, I'm Uh, all in on that. Magic Mike Extra Large. I didn't see the first one. Oh. Hey, Josh. (laughs) Let me recommend a little movie to you (laughs) called Magic Magic Mike. Mike. Yeah, now, if I watch it, I'll watch it with Melani. And uh, maybe my friend Shayna, but I will not watch Magic Mike by myself just because, um, yeah, you know, male strippers, not into it. It's fine. I, I think you need to get over your homophobia <laughs> and accept the fact that you would have sex with any one of those. Um, what do you think about Trainwreck, the new Judd Apatow movie with Amy Schumer uh, and I like Bill Amy Hader? Schumer. I haven't yeah. seen the trailer. I like Amy Schumer. Yeah. Uh, Apatow is not really my favorite. I'm going to say. I didn't watch This is 40. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I liked 40-Year-Old Virgin. That was it, though. Yeah. You know? What about uh, Pixels? Have you seen the trailer? I've seen the trailer for Pixels. I uh, constitutionally have an issue with watching any Adam Sandler movie after uh, anything that came out when I was an adolescent. Yeah, it looks literally like a piece of crap. I thought it was funny, like, just having, like, our Atari games, like, be, like, you know... Bad guys from the future or whatever. I was like, okay, that's fine. I've always pined, and I don't know if this is a thing that I've mentioned or should be ashamed of, but I've always looked for practical applications to things like playing Nintendo or, like, practical applications to, like, the mechanics involved in moshing really hard or whatever. And um, the concept of uh, these video games being training for uh, battling eventual villains of the Earth, like, okay, I get that. I back that. That's a thing. Yeah. But um, beyond that, no, I... Constitutionally, I am diametrically opposed to viewing any Adam Sandler. There are so many summer movies. We're going to have to go through this a little bit faster here. This episode is going to take forever. Okay. I want to mention a few more just to get your quick response. Mission Impossible 5. Yes. In. I want to say I'm not in. But I loved the last that one. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were, there were problems with Ghost Protocol. There were things about it I didn't like. But it didn't matter. It was so overwhelmingly crazy that I just bought in. Yeah. Granted, it did hit one of my pet peeves, which is the Tom Cruise has beat the shit out of entire armies in this movie. But then he gets to the untrained scientist with no martial arts training, and they have a fair fight. Doesn't right. make any sense. Right. He should have just died in two seconds. Uh, Fantastic Four. Nah, not in. Didn't like the book. Don't care. Here's the thing. I want to be about it. I want to say because I'm for of it. the whole cultural makeup of the Fantastic Four. I love Michael B. Jordan as an actor. Period. Right. I love Miles Teller as an actor. Period. Yeah. The trailer looks so dumb. It looks like a sequel to Interstellar. Uh, it yeah. looked yeah. bad. No, I can't in. care not about in. it. Don't can't care. care about it. Sorry. Masterminds. Which one's that one? Uh, Christian Wiig, Zach Galifianakis, Jason Sudeikis, and Owen Wilson. In a comedy about a true story comedy about security guards who rob, uh, like they they are the the people who drive 
the, Man, uh, that's like an indie comedy super group. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know if it's indie. It might be big. I've I've heard good things about. I watched the trailer. It looks hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Uh I'm on the fence. I don't know. Okay. Gut reaction. Don't care. But okay. On. Man from Uncle. Nope. Yeah, I don't really care. I want to say I care a little bit, but I don't. Because it's a. Uh, it's. I think it's. Isn't Man from it's Uncle? A TV show. Yeah. Yeah, but no. But isn't it directed by Guy Ritchie? I don't care about Guy Ritchie. Yeah, I think I don't care. Straight out of Compton. Uh, I saw the trailer for that last night. I think it's funny that Ice Cube's son plays Ice Cube and consequently is the only person in all of NWA that that looks like the person they're portraying. Yeah. Um, where's MC Ren? I said the same thing. Where's why Yella? No, why no MC Ren? Why no Yella? I'm, I'm sure they're in the movie, but they're focusing on... Ice to be Cube, fair, yeah, to, be, I, I to, guess, be, to be fair, I mean, they could just focus on Dre. If it was possible to tell the story without Eazy-E, they probably would do it because the only people... That they know anymore are Cube and Dre. Right. Where you say where is Ren? Literally, where is Ren? Yeah. Where no is one, he? no one knows. No one yeah. knows. But uh, I do think it's okay to focus on those three because MC Ren is cool, yellow, whatever. The group was really those three dudes, which is why I think the group fell apart because the tension between Eazy E, Doctor Dre, and Ice Cube was always the the it's death. What made it brilliant though. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 So do you care about the? I'm in. Yeah. I here's the thing. I've had so many people be like, it looks stupid, it looks stupid. I'm like, if by stupid you mean fucking amazing, I think it looks amazing. Again, I might I might be overestimating it because I care so much about NWA. The the thing is though, did you see Notorious, the B.I.G. story? No. It's terrible. Okay. Awful. Yeah, so I'm still gonna see it. Yeah, I'll see it. I'll see it. Um I'm looking to see here. There's a bunch of stuff coming out. Criminal, Me Before You, all these things. But I'm looking for things I specifically want to hear what you think about. Huh. Dang it. I don't see uh, I don't see anything else worth caring about for the rest of the summer. I guess Sinister 2. Some people care about no, that. No, I don't give a shit. Did you, you didn't like Sinister? It was fine. It was fine. I didn't care. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, actually. <laughs> I don't like Ethan Hawke, either. So, you know. Uh, I, don't I, don't think he's in, I don't think he's in this one. Well, no, I didn't like him in the first one, that's why. Oh, I like the story, and I think um, I'm supposed to respect it, I think, because it was written – it was co-written by a guy who used to write for Ain't It Cool News, yeah. who is very well known in the film critic community, and people like him. And I think he might have written some books too. I don't know. But people like this dude a lot. He's got a lot of, uh, a lot of traction with people in Austin. None of that matters to me. So I saw Sinister and thought parts of it really worked. Uh-huh. The film aspect I really like. I like the, whatever. the deaths and all that stuff. But the actual thing yeah. that showed up was the, the dumbest thing I've ever seen in like one of the these movies. Video. Do you remember the video? Of yes. The running around the woods? Yes. That's what it looks like. Yes. It's like, man, you're haunted by a member of Mayhem. That sucks. Yeah, it's mayhem so dumb. Mayhem stealing your children. If you're listening to this and you like that movie, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you like Mayhem... Also, sorry. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Maybe a movie where you're actually hunted by the band Mayhem would be cool. I don't know. Not so much. Not into it. Not into I would be into it if it was like Mayhem's on tour now and they capture you and then they perform a seance and then the dead guy from Mayhem comes back as a ghost and eats your face. That'd be good. That'd be good. Or if you bone a member of Mayhem and, oh, and death follows you around. <laughs> <laughs> the member of the dead member of Mayhem just follow you around. <laughs> oh, the other night I watched a movie that had been hyped to me a lot, and I hadn't got a chance to watch it yet. And I finally finished it. It's a movie called uh, "The Taking of Deborah Logan." Oh, did you on, watch uh, it? It's on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. Did, did you watch it? it? No. Here's the thing: it's one of those. Wait, movies... Is it the one where she has like Alzheimer's or some shit? It's one of those movies that's 
that sort of straddles the line between found footage and pseudo-documentary. I think it really is supposed to be pseudo-documentary, right? Because that's the thing is these people are shooting a documentary about Alzheimer's. So they go to this woman's house and then she's – shit happens. Right. Uh, I find old people very creepy. <laughs> so that was working for me. Man, didn't know you were an ageist, but go on. Uh, yeah, I feel bad about that, but uh, but the reality is, I mean, the idea of like that she's kind of maybe losing her mind, and then it becomes becomes more uh, insidious than that. <laughs> Another horror movie that I don't like, uh, but you know what I mean. It becomes more nefarious. Stuff is going on. Yeah, uh, I don't want to ruin it. I I feel like it's a movie you could actually ruin, not ruin, but you could take away some of the tension because it's not clear at first what's happening. Uh-huh. Uh, and there are some shots in that movie that are so fucked up that they stuck with me. Uh, but yeah, by the end when everyone's running around with their cameras, it feels like a found footage movie, which I again constitutionally am opposed. I can't. I can't write it off. Uh, I. I I'm not saying that as a whole, found footage movies are good. Mostly they have been bad, but I think they're bad because they're so easy to make that dumb ideas work in found footage. And so the movies are bad, but I don't think as a concept is necessarily bad. For example, a friend of mine told me his concept, uh, and I won't say it in case he doesn't want anyone ripping it off, but it was a cool idea involving werewolves is all I'll say. Uh-huh. And I was like, that would be a sick found footage movie. But the reason it worked is because a lot of found footage movies, the reason for there to be footage that is found is bullshit. That's what doesn't work for a lot of these movies. Uh-huh. That and they're, it's just a cheap way to make a movie. His found footage concept uh, which I, I would argue maybe would work more as a pseudo-documentary maybe. But the point is there was actually a really good reason for people to be filming. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then that worked for me. I was like, oh, that could be a cool movie. Now, granted, maybe if you ever get some money to make the movie, it's a bad movie. No no offense to him. But the point is, is that it was a good idea. Uh, I think there can be good ideas for found footage. And I can't write it off as a genre completely. But I can say that so far... There are very few examples, to me, of movies for which it works. I would say if you want to put Deborah Logan in, again, you could argue that it's not, that it's they're only filming because it's a documentary. But at some point, they're filming, and it doesn't make sense that they're filming, but it doesn't matter. I'm so invested in the movie that it works for me. But, yeah, there are plenty of movies where I'm like, why does this exist? Why is this a thing? It's just a cheap you know, for example, I have no interest in seeing that unfriended movie. Oh, if anything God. looks terrible, it's yeah, that. that movie is like millennial horror that I find stupid looking. Yeah, it just ah, oh, sweet baby Jesus, that looks awful. So uh, let's go ahead and move to because uh, we're you know we've been going for a little bit here. Let's talk about uh, upcoming shit that we're excited. Or we should just talk about what we got coming up. Well, let's. I want to start there, and then we can mention a couple other things. Okay, go on. So, we have an event coming up April 13th, and I'm going to bust my butt to get this episode up before then, so we can hear about it. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, there's a gentleman that we're friends with named Sonny Singh, and he basically single-handedly runs a website called Hate56, which is a compendium of live footage of punk and hardcore bands, Mm -hmm. most of which he's filmed himself. Right. At the shows, some of which is stuff people have sent him and he's digitized it. Old shows, Hellfest shows, Inside Out, uh, Chokehold, you know, all these old bands. And some of it's stuff that he's filmed. But at this point, it's 
It's huge. It's a yeah. giant database. On the website. Unbelievable. And some of them uh, are very raw filmed, raw sound. Some of them have professional sound. He's done all... He's done, I say all. He's done a bunch of the This Is Hardcore uh, footage. Um, but he does lots of stuff besides This Is Hardcore. So he's never done like a event to talk about the site, to talk about why he does what he does, to talk about his methodology, to show sort of how he does and why he does what he does. So we decided to do that as part of the Philadelphia Film Fest. Uh, to be fair, this was Josh's idea. Yeah, it was. It's, you know, it's a Cinepunks event, but this is Josh's idea. And he just was like, we should do something with Sonny. Now, the funny part about this, people may or may not know, if you follow us on social media, you might know this already, but Sonny is actually banned from this podcast. Liam has banned him as a guest. Here's the thing. Sonny uh, is not a guy who actually likes movies. In fact, uh, when I was talking about Sonny, recently Sonny and, and Josh had a meeting to talk about the event. And Josh is getting to know Sonny and he asks, what directors have influenced you and what you do? And Sonny just laughed out loud because yeah. none, none yeah, have influenced not, him. Not into it. Uh, uh, you know, he, he made the case to me that he is kind of a big Aronofsky fan. But other than that, for the most part, Sonny doesn't care about movies. Yeah, he's more of an archivist. And honestly, I'm actually okay with the fact that Sonny doesn't care about movies, but he likes to mess with me about it and make fun of people who care about movies. So I've banned him from the podcast, which is why when Josh said we should do an event with Sonny, I thought it was such a good idea because we're doing an event with Sonny. We're co-hosting an event as part of the Philadelphia Film Fest at Philomoca with Hate Five Six. And he will still never be on this podcast. <laughs> I think that is so cool. I love it. Anyways, uh, as much as I like to make fun of Sonny, and maybe I'll break my rule sometime and have him on the, on the podcast, uh, what he does is amazing. And I think it's going to be a fun event. And he's um, a really good dude, really genuine yeah. character. And, and he really thinks about it. I mean, this is the thing. I think people think he's just standing there with the camera and then putting the footage up raw. And that's not real, especially if this is hardcore. He, a lot he of times, he has, a lot of it together. Yeah, three angles, he live sound. With other filmers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing what it's a, he does. He does a lot. So I think this is going to be a cool event. Uh, uh, to make the event even more sweet to people, right. we have a few things going on. We are raffling off a four-day pass if this is hardcore. What is the retail value of a four-day pass if you're just buying it? I actually don't know. It's like a hundred something. I think it's like a hundred bucks. It might be a little more than a hundred bucks. Forty dollars, I think, right? I don't know if it's four. Well, maybe with service fees, it gets up to a hundred forty. Yeah. Okay. I think it's. I think it's less than that. But it does. It does. Point is, you can drop ten bucks and and potentially and, win one and win one. Yeah. Um, and you know when you do that, you're helping Sonny. To be keep in mind, keep this in mind about Sonny. Everything he's doing is for free. He you pays don't pay, for everything yeah, that he does. He, he he's and hosting get any money for he's it. He's hosting gigs and gigs and gigs of of of, of uh, video footage. He's using the best equipment that he can get. He is putting all this time into cataloging it and getting it up there. No money involved. So yeah. when you come, you're paying for the event, and when you do the raffle, you're helping support him. Uh, you're, you're helping support you're helping support us because we have these crappy microphones. We're trying to pick that up. <laughs> We're trying to make sure our website can actually host all the shows that we are doing so you know you're supporting all that but to even add to that even more blackbird pizza is gonna donate some pizzas Woo! So free vegan pizza if you like the vegan pizza <laughs> uh, we're gonna have that uh federal donuts is giving us a gift certificate we're gonna we're gonna give that away you don't have to pay for that yeah, that'll be from the that's gonna be stubs, a door prize yeah. i'm bringing some blu-rays i got a bunch of blu-rays oh, and a bunch of dvds i say a bunch it's not that many but i got a bunch that uh 
uh, I don't want. I don't need them. <laughs> and I would rather give them away to the people who are cool enough to come to our event than for me to just have them at home. I don't right. need them. Um, I mean, it's, it, I'll, I'll probably have like 10 to 12 to give away. So hopefully you have a Blu ray player. But if not, you can always sell it. I don't <laughs> yeah, care. Do, hey, do what you want to do. Money for you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I might actually have. Yeah. I might have a Mondo poster too. Oh actually. my god, dude! This event keeps on getting crazy. I crazy. am gonna have. I am gonna have a dread Mondo poster Ooh. to give away at the event as Boom. well. Boom! Oh man, shit, dude! We are killing it, bro. Killing it. Yes. Sorry. So, uh, <laughs> please come to that April thirteenth. Uh, also, in a, on a, on another note, just um, last episode, if you listen to it. Uh, we we spoke with Dan Fraga of Exhumed Films. Yeah, where Liam mentioned you mentioned that like you know Philadelphia cinematically doesn't have very many feathers in its cap. Yeah, but we have the one feather that is exhumed, and we'll wave that in everybody's face. Yeah, same thing with Sunny. Philadelphia isn't exactly known as a videographer's town, an no. archivist town. It's no. a hardcore town for sure, or maybe it just seems that way because that's our perspective of things. But Sonny is ours. Sonny is a Philadelphia guy. He's the Rocky Balboa of filming movies or filming uh, sets of hardcore bands. And he is a Philadelphian now. So I would like to... <laughs> yeah, so finish what you're saying. Sorry. So yeah, no, I'm just saying, Sonny is uh, one of those guys that um, that regionally we should take a lot of pride in. Because he's the man. And he's a Philadelphian. And the other thing, I mean, we should be clear too. Part of the reason we have the opportunity to do this event is Philadelphia and Philomoca. Also, uh, the few cool spots in our whatever. So... Yeah. Uh, uh, if you can do me a favor and go let Susan in, I'm going to take a walk through the Philadelphia Film Fest real quick okay. and let people know. Tonight, well, this is an episode isn't going to go up by tonight, so it doesn't really matter. But just to highlight it, uh, Vietnam Appreciation Day is going on tomorrow, which I think this episode will be up by Friday. So Friday, April 10th, 8 p.m., Exhumed Films and iHouse present Milligan Mania. Um, this is going to be 35 millimeter at the International House as part of the Philadelphia Film Fest. They're doing some Andy Milligan movies. If you don't know Andy Milligan, he's known for doing these really off the wall, kind of crazy horror films. Um, goofy, sure, but uh, low budget, sure, but just I don't know. There's just something about them that are just uh, silly and fun at the same time. So the it's a triple feature: Torture Dungeon, Bloodthirsty Butchers. The man with two hats. Uh, we think you should go to that. Uh, I cannot go to that, but I, I'm hoping you can. Um, some other aspects of the Philadelphia Fest coming up. There's a Ken Del Vecchio horror double feature Sunday, April 12th at 7.30. Uh, on Tuesday, April 14th, uh, Philadelphia premiere, Cub and the Treatment. Um, this is through Artsploitation Films. Uh, you may know Artsploitation uh, they're a Philadelphia company, releasing company. Uh, I did a big feature on them for Synapse uh, a couple years ago. I also did the reviews for Cub and for um, for uh, the treatment on Synadelphia.com. Yeah, so that's worth checking out. That's on Tuesday. And then Exhumed again has an event that Wednesday, as seen on TV, Creature Feature. Uh, it's uh, two Nashy horror films. If you don't know about uh, the Nashy, uh, Nashi Paul Nashi is known for doing these. Uh, I don't know how to describe them really. Like they're definitely monster movies, and again, uh, kind of low budgety, but a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and these are specifically made for TV ones. Uh, and then at that event, uh, 
the legendary local horror host Stella, the man eater from Maniunk of Saturday Night Saturday Night Dead. Back because in the it day. came on after Saturday Night Live back in the day. Right, exactly. Uh, she's going to be there. We think that's pretty cool. We are hoping to get to talk to her. Yeah, we don't know if that's going to happen. Dan Fraga. Yeah, and we'll see. There's probably there's two more things I want to highlight, but I want to we got to wrap up this episode. Uh, Friday, April seventeenth, Raiders of the Lost Ark: The Adaptation. Oh my God, so have to go see that fan reshoot as and and it's endorsed by Spielberg. Endorsed by Spielberg, a fan, huge in like yeah. just his weekends uh-huh. over yeah. a period of years, thirty years. Yeah, made a reshoot of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I just think there's something unbelievably cool about that. Yeah. Um, of and course, this is the first time they're screening the whole thing. Yeah. Of course, we have to say uh, Sunday, April 19th, Vivisection's Best Of. And, Big uh, up to Matt Garrett. Sunday, April 19th, Bag Boy, Lover Boy. Those are both Matt Garrett productions. Yeah, and I'm going to be there for both of those. Yeah. Um, I've seen I'm a Knife with Legs. I think it's great. I don't know if Matt Garrett's behind that one, too, but that's a great movie. And uh, there's actually a lot of stuff at Sunday Night Football Fest that I think you should check out. Uh, I'm sort of busting through a little bit because I don't have time to talk about everyone. The last one I want to talk about, Saturday, April 25th, Best Worst Movie Marathon. Uh-huh. 12 hours of the worst movies they could possibly find. Hilarious, mind-numbing masterpieces. Uh, Troll 2, 25th Anniversary, uh, The Skid Kid, uh, White Cop, and then some secret ones they haven't said yet because they're not allowed to yet. I think it's going to be an amazing event. If you make it through all 12 hours of it, they give you a certificate with your name on it. I think that's so cool. I'm planning planning to go. That's insane. Uh, I don't know if I can make it. I'm going to try. We'll see what happens. Uh, otherwise, I think that's about it uh, as far as upcoming events yeah. that we're stoked on. Um, May 21st, I'm playing at Bourbon and Branch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm we'll to talk of, more about that later. I'm trying to think if there's anything else we wanted to hype up. I don't think so. No, I think that's, that's about, about it. it. Yeah. But like we said, we hate to be so self-congratulatory, but April 13th, you have to come to our event. Yep, yeah, it's going to be good. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to uh, all the people who gave us feedback on the last episode. Yes, please uh, listen and rate on iTunes. Thanks to our peoples. Uh, I just like to mention them every episode if I can. Federal Donuts. Federal Donuts. Uh, Evan Valella. Uh, uh-huh. Although he didn't get our flyer done, so uh, whatever. It's okay. We, we still love Tomas. him. Uh, Sean Benesign. Yeah. Uh, just our, our fellow Cinepunk types. Uh, and the people on... Uh, uh, Twitter who hype us up. Lots of people say good things about us and tell their friends about us and we appreciate that so much. We do. We do. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess we're done. Thank you. Smoke bomb.